Today on the Guy at the Movies podcast, it is Oscars season. It's time to chat all things Oscars. But my question is, why is Morbius not nominated, Sean? It's uh, It would have been makeup. Uh, would have been makeup. And best choreography for Matt Smith's dancing. And best actor for Jared Leto, because that's always what happens. Right? I mean, he'll, he'll get the precursors without a doubt. <laughs> all this and more after this. Hey, everyone is part of the family at this point. It didn't be my fan fiction idea that I had. So this movie was garbage. What is this? You are a monster beyond all belief. Put them all in the thing and let them do the thing. You know what I mean? How? Oh, you're lucky to have me back. <laughs> you're never gonna get 60 million people because you're not a Super Bowl. Shut up! So chaotic. Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast. Uh, Sean, will they get 60 million people this year? Because people don't may not realize that's about the Oscars that you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely will not. Um, <laughs> if Rihanna performs pregnant again, then maybe maybe there'll be a little bit of time then. But that's all. <laughs> that's the only time that there's going to be a crossover. People will lose their minds. Uh, Hayden, we're so happy to welcome you back. Second year in a row talking Oscars. This is going to be an interesting conversation because it is a... Really weird Oscars year, guys. It's very, very weird. weird. Yeah, I'm super excited to be back. It's genuinely disturbing to me that it's been a whole year since I've been on your guys' podcast last. <laughs> but it's better not to, to linger on those things because I just don't know how time is passing by as fast as it is these days. It really is crazy, isn't it? It's insane. It's going to be a crazy Oscar year, though. When I was trying to make my list, it was just an absolute panic. It was like a free-for-all. Yeah. I, I, one of my friends was saying that there's just not enough for him to care about this year. With all the movies, which was interesting. He was like, usually there's one that really sticks out, but he feels like all of them are just kind of like on the same level and not any, like nothing sticking out to him. Well, the weird one is that the the one that like is the darling of the internet um, is the one that is also the front runner. And so people are kind of confused. They're like, wait, we should be hating Finally? this movie. <laughs> like, we should be hating the movie that's probably going to win, but instead we're going to like it? Like, you know, it's, not uh... since Parasite has happened. Yeah, this is a far cry from the Green Book year. Everybody oh, loves God. the movie that's projected to win. It's, yes. just very, it's very different. <laughs> we, of course, are talking about Tar, uh, but we will move on. Uh, <laughs> let's start off with talking about some of the trailers we got this week. It was a Disney-heavy week, uh, and the first was Peter Pan and Wendy. This was a movie announced a couple years ago. Another, I, I don't even know if you can call this live action, because it is live action Peter Pan, but they've also made like 75,000 Peter Pan movies in the past uh, decade. Uh, but this is going straight to Disney Plus in April, and I have to be honest, I was a little surprised by how good this looks, um, which I guess my the bar was like non-existent for me. It was so low. So I was like, oh, this looks serviceable. Uh, Hayden, what, was, what were your thoughts on this trailer? So on one hand, I thought that this movie looked like every Peter Pan movie we've ever seen. Um, I thought it looked kind of generic. But then on the other hand, there's moments throughout that trailer where I'm like, David Lowry. I can see it. I can yeah. see him as a director kind of shining through. Uh, I'm a big fan of some of his work. And so I I, I don't know where I fall with this trailer because it, it looks kind of just like a, a Disney plus Peter Pan movie. But then on the other hand, I, I love the director and I do like some of the different ideas that they're putting into this trailer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but like very cautiously optimistic. Sean, how, how about you? You know <laughs> your, I'm the turd in the punch bowl, baby. You know I'm the turd in the punch bowl. I mean, I said to myself when they were making this movie, I'm like, well, this has no purpose. Why are they doing this? But I said, you know what? Let me wait for the trailer because maybe they're going to do something like a little bit new and a little bit interesting. And it seems like this is just going to be another, another, wow, another iteration. 
There it is. Another iteration of the uh, Peter Pan story. And I'm like, well, this doesn't look like it's bringing anything new to the table. It does look good. Um, I, I think the Captain Hulk looks pretty great. I'll, I will say that. I'm excited to see that. You know, it going right to Disney Plus is not a great feeling. Um, I don't think that's a really good uh, sign at all. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty low on this. I'm going to check it out. It'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be a fun watch. It'll be a somewhat open mind, but, you know, cautiously optimistic or just plain old cautious for me. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting with this is like Peter Pan is one of the stories from Disney that I just don't care for. <laughs> like, I just, I yeah. feel like it's so boring. And I think maybe it's because Hook ruined the story for me and yeah. that nothing will ever beat Hook to me. Hard so to it's hard to top, right? So once they do... It went every time they come out with a new one because wasn't Hugh Jackman in one years ago? And or am I making that up? I thought he no, was no, he one. was in a origin story for Peter Pan because they needed called Pan. that, yeah, called Pan. Yes, <laughs> I'm really the kind of shit I'm talking about, man. <laughs> I'm really excited for all the spinoffs. Um, I want to know what's going on with John. Uh, let's talk about like the background of Captain Hook. We need a whole movie about that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm with you going straight to Disney Plus does not necessarily make me confident in it um but again it looked better than i thought it would <laughs> yeah, that is lowry he the dude knows visuals so on yeah. that regard this will look good i'm i'm without a doubt like not even gonna like contend to that but i i just i'm not excited at all <laughs> like, right and with lowry too it's it's the definition of one for them one for me like he's <laughs> he's always delivering this like super artsy a24 movie and then he's like and then i'm gonna do peach dragon for disney <laughs> <laughs> this dude is just like he's doing the Barry Jenkins where it's just like you know yeah no prequel to Lion King no it's for art's sake <laughs> he's like no I want to make like a, like I want some money in my pocket for my next funded indie project and it's like you do you Barry Jenkins yep if you're if you're gonna give us the good stuff I'm in <laughs> so because you just brought up the Lion King and since we are in <laughs> Disney here uh, in a Disney conversation have you seen this theory on TikTok about what happened to Mufasa after he died I mean no like. This is more of a spiritual thing, I think. But so, do you know who eats like what animal eats lions oh, when they yeah. die? Well, according to uh, uh, Mufasa, the lion becomes the grass, and the antelope eats the grass, and therefore <laughs> we're all a part of the circle of life. Sure, but in reality, do you know oh. the body of the lion? Who like what animal eats lions? I choose to listen to James Earl Jones, but go for it. <laughs> it's lions. Oh. So later on in the movie when scar oh. is leaning back and he's like like licking his whatever and he holds up a oh. skull no the theory is that he ate mufasa <laughs> i'm twisted. sure that's exactly what the animators were going for on that one <laughs> and not the hamlet reference <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> um yeah it's listen disney sneaks some stuff in every once in a while oh, like boy. some pissed off you know writer or <laughs> animators like, like guess what <laughs> uh, as you'll learn about in the Business Wars episodes on Disney Pixar versus DreamWorks. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's shift gears to the Haunted Mansion here. Uh, this is one that's been in the works for a while. It is, of course, Disney trying to uh, wring every ounce of uh, money out of their theme parks, uh, their attractions, everything that they already own. Um, Hayden, what were your thoughts on the Haunted Mansion trailer? I thought it looked surprisingly fun. Um, prior to watching the trailer, I think I was just like, oh, they're doing another one of their rides, turning it into a movie. I can't speak too much on it because I've never been to Disney World, so I haven't oh uh, been on the Haunted Mansion itself. But I've heard from a lot of people, and I have a friend who, who loves Disney, that this looks like a pretty solid adaptation of that ride. And like they're, 
they're really honoring what people love about that ride and what makes it fun and why it's so long lasting in in that theme park so i like the cast i think it's got a pretty stacked cast it looks really fun um it's nice to see disney go for some spookier vibes after you know they've done superheroes for a very long time they've been doing space a lot so it's nice to see them even if it's a horror comedy kind of channel some darker tones so i think it looks it looks like a, a good time i'm gonna definitely check it out in theaters yeah it's funny that you're saying that because my as a disney holic um it there is a lot of fan service in this trailer a lot of the stuff that they show is all um like jared leto is the hat box ghost which is a big thing if you ever like want to look into the the story behind the hat box ghost and the ride um people look for that you have rosario dawson in this you have uh jimmy lee curtis as madame leota which they don't show in the trailer i don't believe but um, that's also a big moment in the ride. So they, they are doing a lot of fan service. Sean, it seems like part of it is like fan service Disney fun, but there's also, I don't know, like a little bit of a serious like side to it as well. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to be just massive turn in the punch bowl the whole way. This, this trailer didn't do much for me either. I will say I did enjoy the like quick fan service moments of, um, like the haunted mansion ride where like the floor goes down and oh, shows yeah, yeah. the picture. I was like, okay, okay, you know what? I'm in for that. I think that this is going to be I I have never seen the original Eddie Murphy movie, but based on looking at both of those trailers, this looks like it's a little bit more faithful, a little bit better. It does just seem a little bit goofy and a little bit silly and I can't, I think I just can't get out of my head that like you said, they're milking all of these rides, they're milking every little bit of cash cow they can. So I think that that's like what like my bias while I watched that trailer was just like that just took over the whole time and I couldn't get that out of my head. So that just frustrated me. So this could be good. I'm 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 interested. I'm definitely interested. I don't love it, but I'm willing to check it out. I I imagine that the pitch meeting for this movie just went, well, Jungle Cruise kind of worked. So so do that. <laughs> do Haunted Mansion. Make it happen. Well, and then Taika Waititi is has been attached to doing a Tower of Terror movie for years with uh or for a year with scarlett johansson <laughs> that she's, wait, play, didn't she's that playing die? the tower <laughs> didn't that i thought that project died um it did and then it came back and i don't know i don't okay, know okay well this is directed by justin simeon that um, that has me hopeful yeah who did dear white people and bad hair yeah i didn't love bad hair but i loved dear white people and i was like okay so this this could be something interesting this could be like this cool supernatural thing i didn't see any of that in the trailer so i mean and that's fine like maybe it's not going to be anything like that it doesn't have to make a statement it just could be fun but it just didn't i don't know there, there's something visually about it that made it seem a little bit too packaged i really like the cast yeah i mean the cast is good. <laughs> tiffany haddish hassan minaj who's currently hosting uh or was this past week <laughs> hosting the daily show uh lakeith stanfield dan levy's in this winona Ryder, danny devito jared leto oscar worthy rosario dawson jamie lee curtis and owen wilson like that's a stacked cast for a movie this is like the this. second haunted house movie for owen wilson what was he was first? in that remake of the haunting with uh liam neeson and someone else oh man um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> little trivia for everybody that definitely cares <laughs> oh liam neeson <laughs> oh man what that's, a man, what a man, what a mighty Oddly man. not the first time we talked about him today, Sean. <laughs> well, hey, that's always the case. We always get we always get about three to four Neesons in before 10 a.m. That's true. That's very true. It's um, a Neeson right. rating. Ah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. What's going to start with you on the next segment? But we'll move on. No, um, that's fine. The, so Mandalorian has returned after uh, 17 years, six <laughs> episodes of a Mandalorian 2.5 in the form of Boba Fett. Uh, and we have Grogu back being adorable on a spinning chair. 
Sean, Mando episode, what, chapter 17, I guess this is, yep. The Apostate. Um, what are your thoughts? I can't emphasize enough how irresponsible it was. They literally had not only a portion of this show on another show, but crucial plot points of that portion of that show, where the characters are departed and reunited, like, during, like, a different show. And so, like, someone like my wife, who just, you know, is just watching The Mandalorian, is not going to venture into Book of Boba Fett, was like, oh, they're together. And to be so irresponsible is to not at least do, like, a recap of them joining each other. I know. Seems like it's just like, just do like, you know, they did that with Obi-Wan where they had like this re recap of Revenge of the Sith. Just like do a quick little montage of them being together. And then I think that would be fine. I would be almost okay with it. But it just seems like, you know, they just really count on everyone watching everything, which, you know, hey, hand to God, I did. Um, that being said, getting that out of the way, this was still a very fun episode. It was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's It shows that they're like spending the budget with like so cool space fights, a fun little Western draw scene. Um, I hope that they eventually go back to their formula of they go onto a planet and have an adventure. They go onto another planet and have an adventure because right now they're doing an arc of him trying to get back into his religion, which I don't understand why he even feels compelled to do that. And so that like that part of it is like, okay, so they're going to do it a little bit more serialized. That's fine. That's how shows are today. But I think the magic of it is when they went on adventures at, on certain planets while there was the slightest of an overarching storyline. Um, I, I will say when it ended, I was, a, I, I felt unfulfilled. I, I would have loved like to watch an hour of it. That's not that necessarily a criticism. I, cause I, you know, I was enjoying myself the whole time. My last comment is, um, my wife did not see, um, the, uh, final, uh, Star Wars movie, the last, or what is it called? The Rise of Skywalker. And the, the fact that they bring Babu Frick back, or at least his race, um, the joy that she felt i wish i could have captured it it was just a child's laughter she just like she was like because i've seen it before and i was like hey he's back cool she was just like because <laughs> it was the most beautiful thing and thank you for just bringing the one thing from rise of skywalker that was good like bringing that back it's, it's nice. truly the one thing from that movie that worked and they were just like all right bad baby put it in yep <laughs> It's also about products, you know, like they're like, oh, yeah. get Babu Frick back in there. We're going to make some dolls. Oh, <laughs> we need some. a baby Babu Frick. <laughs> baby, baby Babu Frick. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden, what were your thoughts on this episode? Uh, very similar to how Sean felt about the episode. And I do, I don't want to linger on the same point he mentioned, but my roommate had not watched the book of Boba Fett and he comes out and I'm like, all right, we're going to watch the Mandalorian. He's like, okay, cool. I'm excited. I haven't watched the book of Boba Fett. And I'm like, that's a real problem for you. Yeah. That's not a little thing. You're going to be very confused throughout this episode. And I just think it's very weird to be telling your show story in a different show. I just think that that's bad writing. I, I think it's sloppy. I just think that this should have been an arc in the Mandalorian season three really should have been about what book of Boba Fett wrapped up with a nice little bow on top. So when you get that out of the way, like Sean had mentioned, I had a great time with it. I think there's some really fun standout sequences here. Grogu is as cute as ever. The scene where he's, uh, you know, watching in hyperspeed, the whatever it is we see in the distance, I think this ties into something from rebels that I've heard people talking about, yeah, but it's, it's Ezra with the, uh, the squids that can go at light speed, which is just lovely. Yeah, just great stuff. I'm <laughs> here course. for it. And yeah, the, the scene where Grogu is trying to pick up Babu Frick is probably the hardest I've laughed all year. Uh, <laughs> we're in the dark ages of how everyone's doing in their emotional state. And I think when you put Grogu on the screen and he's trying to pick up Babu Frick, everyone just comes together. It's just unity. Uh, it was it was a great episode. I, I do agree that it leaves a little bit to, desi to be desired when the credits roll. I just kind of was like, that's it. <laughs> all right. But while I was watching it, I was having a great time. There was lots of smiles and some really cool action scenes. So I, I enjoyed it. 
it's the opposite of Andor in the best of ways. Where it's like Andor was like, hey, let's get into politics. And this is just like, no, nah, man, we're just going to like, you know, Carl Weathers fixed the entire city. We're good. Like, let's not even get into it. What did you think about the way that they wrote out uh, what's her name's character? <laughs> in that they didn't? She, yeah, no, right. they did. There was a one line. She joined the Empire, which yeah. is so goddamn funny it's that like tracks. like that is a, like next level thing i actually missed the line completely i had to go back and watch it because i did like yeah you're right it's it's like the very smallest line i didn't this notice is, that's really yeah, funny the, the empire saw her tweets and so they wanted to bring her in <laughs> and we're talking about cara dune is the character yes. played by gina carano <laughs> ben shapiro I, leading the empire inviting oh her God, over yeah, his, his <laughs> new shapiro. sci-fi series <laughs> Wow, Hayden, first Ben Shapiro reference on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I, hate that I, I hate that I'm the one who did that. You know what? No, own it, make history. Joe, clip this. <laughs> yeah, this is the clip. Um, I, I'm with you. I, the one thing I've always appreciated about The Mandalorian is I do think that the storytelling across the season is much better than a lot of the other shows that we get on Disney+, Plus, um, where some of the episodes maybe are not the most impactful, but they they feed into the overall arc of the the story pretty well by the end of it. So I'm excited to see where this season goes. I think they're the the whole religion piece religion is <laughs> pretty fascinating to me, um, and I think it's an interesting direction for them to go. There's also a shit ton of rumors about like other cameos that are coming in this. Um, it sounds like uh, what's her name? Bo Bo Katan. Bo is that who it is? Oh well, that was yeah. She was in the throne. But um, she apparently um, has been teasing that she's going to cross paths with Ahsoka in this uh, series. So um, who knows? Well, because the at the end of Rebels, uh, Ezra and uh, uh, I believe his name is Tarkin. He's the blue dude. Um, were like you know taken away by a light speed squid, and so that was like how they left. And so they're probably going to come back in some way there, and that's like going to be there. The theory is that their entrance point is going to be in there. Uh, like I. I, I, I love all this as someone that's like kind of watched all Star Wars properties, but I feel like this season it might lose my wife. And that's kind of tragic because the casual fan needs to be entertained as well. And, you know, I, may, maybe she will still enjoy it, but like she's not going to know who Ezra is. She's not going to know who, um, oh God, what the hell's his name? I can't even remember his name. Who cares? The blue dude. Um, but I don't know. Did they cast um, a live action uh, Ezra Bridger yet? They, I, oh, Ezra, they have, uh, the blue dude, they haven't, I need to look up his name, Star Wars blue dude. Um, lots of blue oh. dudes may, may appear too with Star Wars. Yeah, that's yeah, good. <laughs> em Iman Esfandi. Oh yeah. So I remember, I remember it was someone I didn't know, but I remember they did, they did cast him. They haven't announced casting the blue guy. Um, <laughs> stop with the blue guy. I, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm typing one with one hand and blue dude star wars blue oh, oh god there's a shitload of them. he was just in the inspection this guy um because i remember that um oh my gosh uh made Mossad, who played aladdin i know that he like a lot of people were fan casting him for a while and i feel like i just kind of took that as like it happened but it didn't <laughs> usually when a fan cast happens though it ends up being that dude because nowadays producers are looking at the internet did you check, figure check out credit. who this blue yeah check credit did you figure rebels, out this blue guy yet rebels bad guy just typed in Rebels. Thrawn. Are you talking about Thrawn? Yeah, Thrawn. That's the dude. How did you I don't know why I had Grand Moff talking in my mind, but uh, I guess he's not blue. He's more of a a, a, a turquoise hueish. <laughs> We're definitely going to nail that under an hour thing you wanted to do, so that's going to go well. Oh, quite all right. Quite <laughs> all right. Um, this is great content talking about the, bl the blue people. The blue from people. The blue people. 
Um, Avatar did it first. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Hayden, what were your thoughts? I don't know that we ever talked about this on Boba Fett and kind of how that delivered because it was just such a weird was six episodes was it yeah mm -hmm. i i didn't like the book of boba fett very much i thought it was you know when it focused on boba fett it still didn't know what it wanted to be and then four episodes into the season it wanted to be a completely different show and so i think it was just a very messy confused um show that had moments of glory but aside from that that's all it really was for me it was just moments where the the genius of what i love about star wars kind of came through i overall thought it was you know it was weaker yeah. for me I think what bothered me is that the episodes that were spectacular were the Mandalorian episodes. I was right. just so pissed off they were not in the Mandalorian. I was <laughs> like, these are great episodes, like truly great. What are they doing here? <laughs> it's so odd. When when you introduced the episode, you said chapter 17. I was like, well, chapter 19, but all right, yeah. we'll, let you, we'll let you have it. <laughs> True, yeah. I That was such an interesting choice for them. I really believe that they announced it. And then we're like in the middle of writing and we're like, oh shit, we can't sustain a whole series on this or like a whole season or whatnot. And we're like, all right, well, let's, you know, shoehorn in the Mandalorian. Um, <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. He Ugh. just felt, he felt so shoehorned in. But those yeah. episodes are fantastic. And when I was talking to my roommate who hadn't seen them, I was like, go back and watch them. They're some yeah. of the better Mandalorian episodes, but they're not Mandalorian episodes. So it's just, oh, a, just a frustrating thing all around. But Overall, yeah, I, I'm excited to see where the rest of the season goes for, for The Mandalorian. It's so strange that we have to watch all this stuff. Like, it's like Disney wants us to keep a Disney Plus subscription. Or what do you, is it on who, do you guys have Disney Plus in Canada? We do. Um, okay. But then they have, like, you know, I think I listened to your guys' last episode with um, with Onyolo, and he mentioned Star. Star, which is, I think, how it also works here. Yeah. It's just because you don't have Hulu, right? Right, yeah, we don't have Hulu. Yeah, it's called Shrinkle Piss or whatever the hell it's called. Like, you know. <laughs> Sean, you're on another one this morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm just crabby, I guess. I don't know who's going to win any Oscars. I'm just, like, mad. It's like, this is the one thing. People are like, we're having Oscar guru, math teacher movies on our podcast. I'm like, I don't know anything. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good transition or segue to our Oscars conversation. So uh, we are recording this on Saturday, March 4th. Uh, episode drops on Friday, or Friday, uh, Monday, March 6th. And the Oscars are Sunday, March 12th. Uh, so we are about, what, eight days from the big night hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. We're going to run through all the categories. Um, of course, we'll spend some time on some of the bigger ones. Um, some of the other ones, we may not have seen everything in. Uh, it's not necessarily the easiest uh, task to watch all these uh, international films and stuff if they're if you didn't catch them in like in theaters or when they were available. Um, but uh, for instance, I should say. Uh, but let's start off with short film animated and see where we're at. If if anyone's seen this, I just recently watched one of these, um, which was My Year of Dicks. Um, so <laughs> so good. So I'm saying that that is uh, that's my pick. But Sean, you are the Oscar guru. Let's start with you here. So I think that My Year of Dicks has the upset potential. Um, that's the only one I've watched besides also the Apple TV Plus, The Boy, The Fox, The Horse, and The Mole. And I did that out of order intentionally. The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, the, and The yeah. Horse. Um, so the, the one thing I think of is that's kind of the front runner because it's from a studio of Apple TV, which got Coda to Best Picture last year. They're not really focusing on anything this year to campaign for. So I think they're throwing a lot of their Apple TV money behind this to win. It's based on a storybook, so there is like a property to it and everything. 
Um, however, when some people pick these, they just pick the flashiest title, unfortunately, which is a gross thing to think about. But the flashiest title is My Year of Dicks. Uh, Riz Ahmed started laughing and giggling when he uh, said that title, when he said the nominees. It's also just like a very inventive animated film. So if people do end up seeing it, it could win. I still think it, I, I probably, oh, I don't know what I'm going to put down. See, I, or I'm already having trouble, but um, the, uh, <laughs> it's literally I, the I, first category, <laughs> I, the boy, the mole, the fox and the hound or whatever the fuck it is that, that, that is probably the safe bet. But if you want to do a risk, my year of dicks. So you just said, I hate that people pick things based on the flashiest title. And with that being said, I'm probably just going to pick my year of dicks because yep. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any of these, but the moment where Riz Ahmed said the title, my year of dicks just lives in my mind rent free. So I'm, I'm going to go with this one, uh, even though I haven't seen any of these. So, yeah. All right, let's jump over. I'm going with the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse on this. I think uh, as the actual winner, my pick would be my year of dicks. Um, yeah. I will watch I, it. If I'm going to vote for it, I need to at least check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, short film live action. We have, uh, and I should read the, the nominees here. Um, An Irish Goodbye, Ivalu, uh, Le Pupil, uh, Night Ride, and The Red Suitcase. Um, I go Red Suitcase on this because, again, it's the only one that I've seen. <laughs> but Hayden, have you seen any of these? I unfortunately haven't yet, no. But I, I think, you know, as we near the, the big night, I will probably just try and check all these off. I wanted yeah. to get all the big movies out of the way first. And Absolutely. so now that we're getting really close i think i'm just going to try and speed run through through these categories but i haven't seen any of them yet so i won't i won't vote here but i will make sure i watch them sean so i haven't seen any of them but i do know that alfonso curran is backing uh la petite uh, i believe it's called um and so oh, oh sorry not la petite la petite la pepule um and so that's also streaming on disney plus um so i think it is going to be that just cuz alfonso curran is out there campaigning for it um, so a lot of people know him. They'll probably uh, throw it behind him. But I have not seen any of these, so I can't pick a should win, if you will. Well, and one thing I remember we talked about this last year is accessibility is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Here. You know, which movies are easily accessible in streaming or whatnot that um, will get more eyes. And sometimes with some of these categories, that's what dr- that's what drives. Sorry, my dog is biting my foot. Um, <laughs> sometimes that's what drives the voting for lesser known films. Um so I wonder if that will have any, anything to do with these two categories, um, specifically with the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. And then you just mentioned Le Pepule. <laughs> Le Pepule. Documentary short subject. We have the Elephant Whispers, uh, Haul Out, How Do You Measure a Year, the Martha Mitchell Effect, and Stranger at the Gates. Sean, starting with you, have you seen any of these? Uh, yeah, two of them. And this is, goes back to your accessibility argument. They're both on Netflix, the Elephant Whispers and the Martha Mitchell Effect. Um, so I think once again, it'll probably be either one of those. I do think like the elephant whispers is a lovely, like animal documentary. And, you know, those have been hitting big lately, you know, octopus teacher kind of stuff where they are heartwarming. They're lovely. And if you're at all at like the tiniest bit of a fan of elephants, you will adore this movie from start to finish. Um, I think Marshall, Martha Mitchell effect might win it though. That's, you know, right now Nixon's very in, there's a HBO show coming out. There was a show or showtime. Showtime or Stars, I can't remember which, but Gaslit was out last year, who literally Julie Roberts played Martha Mitchell. Uh, so I think that is like, you know, Nixon's, you know, dude was dead for like 15 years, but he's back, baby. Um, he is uh, it's still uh, very still dead. But, uh, you know, for some reason, the popularity is surging with him. And so I think it's going to be Martha Mitchell effect. Interesting. I haven't watched any of these, to be yeah. honest. Hayden, it- your thoughts? Uh, also haven't watched any of these, but I have heard, you know, some interesting things about how do you measure a year? I don't know much mm-hmm. about it, but just among some of the chatter I've seen online, I've heard people say that that one's pretty solid. So, yeah. uh, 
I'm not going to vote for any of them, but I am going to say that the, uh, the Martha Mitchell effect and how do you measure a year? I've heard good things about those yep. two. How do you, uh, how do you measure a year? I forget what that was. Oh, for 17 years, filmmaker Jay Rosenblatt filmed his daughter Ella on her birthday, asking her the same questions. Yeah. Uh, that's very interesting. That's a little boyhood action. So that could be a, like a popular pick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huh. Let's get into visual effects here. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, again, this is visual effects. We'll get into makeup and hairstyling and all of that uh, as we move on. Um, but Hayden, where do you fall with these? I think it's a pretty good group of films, but I just don't think there's any likelihood that anything wins aside from Avatar The Way of Water here. Yeah. You know, 13 years in the making, um, and it just looks stunning. I think when you watch that movie in the biggest theater possible, it very much becomes clear that this is the winner for best visual effects. There's a lot of other films here that look great, but I just, I don't see any likelihood that any other film wins here. Sean, I, I Hayden, I completely agree with you. And I kind of feel like Sean, that this is the one uh, where Avatar will win. And then that will be the end of it for Avatar. Thank God. There's at least one that I'm certain of this year. This might be the only one, but yeah, special best visual effects. Yeah. It was nominated for a few others. Production design is a little bit up in the air. So Avatar could go for that as well. Um, and we'll get to that when we get to that. But uh, yeah, this will be the only lock for Avatar The Way of Water. It's We talked about this last year. I'm having deja vu here. When we talk about visual effects, production design, and all of that, the differences between what that all means. Um, so I, I mean, production design, I always think about more like the physical aspects and mm -hmm. the you know tangible things, not the CGI and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, let's actually jump over to that one production design all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water babylon elvis and the fablemans sean so this is interesting uh babylon has been winning a lot of the guild awards for this um a lot of precursors for production design and you know i think that like babylon obviously performed very poorly and i think it only has three nominations there's a chance it could win two of those nominations which will be very fascinating I, I think this is going to go to Babylon. I think this is a way of like honoring the good parts of this film, which I was not a big fan of Babylon. I know everyone else was, um, but I was not a big fan of this movie, but you can't deny this production design. So I, I think it, it's going to go to Babylon, but this one is very up in the air. It could be several of these movies, truly. Mm -hmm. Very yeah, interesting the, there. Hayden. This one is Babylon for me. I am proud to announce I am the leading member of the Babylon Hive. We ride at, we ride at dawn. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people at the top of that hive. <laughs> that's a, that's a tough one to, to get grow. to the top of. It just continues to grow. The hive is only only expanding. Uh, but no, I think that Babylon is the production design for that movie is just remarkable. Yeah. Even if you don't like the movie, I think just yeah. looking at some of the sets, looking at the way that it, it all looks, it just is absolutely remarkable. It captures the time period perfectly, but it also captures this just crazy atmosphere that Damien Chazelle is going for so perfectly. So it, Babylon is my pick here, but it's also the one I think will win. Hayden, tell us about your love for Babylon. What What is it about the film that like <laughs> drives you? Um, well, I think it's a very, you know what, when I'm asked to put it into words, it becomes a lot harder. <laughs> no. I, you know what? I'll, I'll even defend you, even though I didn't like this movie that much. <laughs> I get it. It's, it's, it's intangible. What's great about this movie, and it's what I loved about it. I just think that, like for me, it was, you know, the, the last. I mean, Joe's gonna make fun of me here. Third act problems, but like that last act, I was like, what the hell are we doing here? This movie was like wonderful, and then just yeah. kind of went off the deep end. And I, you know, that's the only thing I have issue with. If this thing kind of like landed its plane a little bit better, I would have absolutely loved it. 
I think if I'm asked to simplify what I like about it, I like big swings, you know, from yeah. from filmmakers that I love just really going for it. And this is kind of like the perfect example of that. It's Damien Chazelle just being like, I'm what if I never made a movie again? What if this was the last thing I ever made? <laughs> Might be um, the case. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just think it's it's very over the top. It's very uh, theatrical. And it's just a movie that I constantly find myself thinking about, even though I don't know how to describe why it's always on my mind. I'm just constantly thinking about Babylon. It's just a movie I absolutely love. It's in my top five from, from 2022. Very. I, uh, wow. Did you it, Joe? <laughs> he I didn't never, see it. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. But, but I, this, I, I already know this is like public enemy number one for Joe. He will I, hate this movie. <laughs> I think you would despise this movie. <laughs> I, I think I really want to watch it now. Yeah. Oh God. I really want you to watch it. <laughs> you just oh, have to God. clear three hours and 10 minutes from your schedule. That's the problem. That, I knew that was today. the main issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why, because I'll watch other. Th- what was the movie that came out? It was like, oh, when Avatar came out. Yeah. I was like, Babylon, no, Avatar, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but. Well, John Wick is about seven hours long, so let's go for the. <laughs> it, it's easier to justify Avatar's runtime because J- James Cameron is just like, all right, we have to explore the, the sea and we have to do all this crazy stuff. And then <laughs> Damien Chazelle's like, an elephant's going to shit on someone's head. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so unnecessary. <laughs> like, it's such an unnecessary movie. Oh, oh, I loved it. Oh, oh man. boy. Let's go to film editing here. The Banshees of Anna Sharon, uh, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, Top Gun Maverick. Um, I think for this one, I this is this is not a popular statement here. I go uh, Elvis on this one, honestly. Mm. So I, you know what? Sometimes the Oscars go for the most and um, like not the best, but like Elvis does do most. They do some trippy edits. They do some goofy edits. Um, it's a long movie, which weirdly does help for the editing award. That does often work for that one for some reason. Um, for this, I think this is um, – we're going to see a huge – not a sweep, obviously, but a very, very huge showing for everything, everyone, all at once, which also has the most editing. And so mm-hmm. I, I have everything, everywhere all at once for my pick, but my second place will probably be Top Gun Maverick because – there's going to be – Top Gun Maverick has to win something. They want to try to honor it in some way. I have no idea where it could win, and I think I have it in second place for a lot of the awards. So Sean, You just build up Elvis so much, and then you're like, I think it's going to go to every, everything everywhere all at once. And my second pick, and I was like, oh, Elvis. And you're like, Top Gun Maverick. I'm saying that I really understand your pick for Elvis. Like, <laughs> Dude, tr- just get ready for this. I'm going to have like three options for every single one of these. <laughs> well, this is a nightmare news, of a year. Good news, there's at least five for every category. Damn it! <laughs> I'm, I'm able to narrow it down. I, I'm, I'm going to be a wreck during this pod because right now I'm looking at this and, you know, film editing, it could go to, I mean, not all of these, but uh, I, I really think it's everything because I think that's going to be dominating. And also, you know, editing and picture, while they haven't been synonymous, 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 synonymous lately, um, I do think right now, everything, everyone all at once will have this one. I agree. I, yeah. I find myself thinking the same thing just because, you're right. It is the most editing, Sean. But at the same point in time, it's, it is it is where I found myself most impressed. The movie is two hours and 20 minutes. It's able to keep you engaged for the, like constantly. The way it edits around everything and the way it just moves as a movie, I think, is um, very, pretty impressive. With Elvis, the last 40 minutes of that movie are a total slog, at least for me. I, I found That's myself what I felt, yeah. really engaged with it, and then I just was like, can it end? I'm really done with it. Um <laughs> And so I, do, I don't think that that's my died. personal pick, but <laughs> I understand why people would, would go with it. Hayden, Hayden loves Ben Shapiro and was rooting for Elvis to die. So oh, we're, we're really got a good, we <laughs> have a good a guest on here. the pod today. <laughs> uh, 
we need to have our people uh you know what's the word i'm looking for vetted vet uh, yeah a little better uh, all right let's we're gonna speed through a couple of these categories so that we can get to the bigger um and i don't mean any disrespect to any of the nominees but some of the larger categories that are gonna elicit some more discussion cinematography all quiet on the western front bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths elvis empire of light tar hayden cinematography uh this category is a weird one i i don't know how empire light ended up here even though you know deacons deacons deacons, deacons, deacons. I, yeah yeah but even while watching that movie though i was just like i'm not blown away by the cinematography here but i will say i think this one's going to go to all quiet on the western front yeah. there's some stunning scenery some really stunning shots in that movie and i just i think this one has it in the bag i think this is going to go to top gun maverick oh wait it's not on here holy shit that's ridiculous that was the yes. freaking front runner i have no idea how that happened regardless i think this will go to all quiet on the western front because of that um i think all quiet on the western front is going to grab a few technicals that we're going to yeah. talk about um and i think this will this is the one that is the most certain for that one I would agree with that. Costume design, Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, Sean. Um, it's going to go to Elvis. Elvis, I uh, pardon for not knowing the costume designer's name off the top of my head. She is a legendary costume designer. She, I believe, has won before, and if not, um, is someone who is due to win. Um, I think that, uh, you know, when you, like, I, I would say that the more erratic one is probably Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's like goofier costumes and everything. But I think that, and also, once again, the most, but I think Elvis does a good job of like, you know, obviously they're going for a period accuracy for most of it. And also, you know, the flamboyant costumes that he has. So I think uh, this one is going to be for uh, Elvis. Yeah, I agree. You know, you look at Elvis Presley's wardrobe throughout his career and then you watch this movie and it's just it's pretty remarkable what they do with recreating a lot of it. It's kind of wild. Halfway through the movie, you have to remind yourself that you're not watching Elvis. You're watching Austin Butler as Elvis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least that was my experience. Makeup okay. and hairstyling. All Quiet on the Western Front. The Batman. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Elvis. The Whale. Hayden. I think it's another one for Elvis, to uh -huh. be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sitting here like hashtag Elvis sweep, but <laughs> I, I, I do think that there's a, a couple categories that just Elvis is kind of really leading the charge. And it's, it's a lot of the kind of makeup, you know, stuff like that. So I do think that this one will win here. I have a weird take on this one, which is not a good solid prediction, but whoever's going to win best actor is also going to win best makeup. Um, now, having said that, I've predicted someone else for best actor and I'm predicting best makeup as the whale. Um, I think that once again, it's a deal of the most. Um, however, Hayden, I mean, I won't be, ex I won't be surprised at all if we read the name Elvis. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that's going to be uh, a very solid lock. I have the whale as a bit of an upset for that one. I just think that, you know, sometimes if we look back at this category, it, it goes to some weird things like Bad Grandpa, Norbit. It's going to go to stuff that like, wow, like really like insane stuff. So the makeup is always like something that goes a little bit far from where the rest of the uh, nominees are. And The Whale only has three nominees. So and also it is a pretty jarring transformation. So I'm, you know, The Whale is an upset for me. It's one of my risky upset picks, but I think I'm going to go with The Whale. Did, I actually, did Bad Grandpa win Best Makeup? I think it did. Now, off the top of my head, I might want to question that, but I do remember like someone saying, "Well, Bad Grandpa's an Oscar winner now." Wow. Okay. Yeah. The more you know. Uh, nominee. Damn it! <laughs> I, I started to question it right after you said it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Maybe it I lost still got to the Dallas Buyers Club. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, what a year um i actually go black panther wakanda forever here i think Ooh. this is the bone that gets thrown to black panther um in the oscars i think that the emotion behind some of the costume des uh designs uh as well as the hairstyling and all not only for the um the the different 
characters that they introduce um, when it comes to Namor and his crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thinking about the funeral scenes and all of that and the understated way that they delivered those scenes and the costuming, but the impact that they had, I think that that's something that um, the Academy is going to eat up when it comes to Wakanda Forever in this category. I think that's the one that I would want to win as well. Yeah. I'm going with Elvis, but that's the one that I'm kind of rooting for. Yeah. yeah. Um, sound, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick. Sean, you go Maverick on this, don't you? Um, I actually, this is where I have All Quiet on the Western Front, but really this is an open category. So I have All Quiet on the Western Front. It could be Avatar. It really, it, it could be Top Gun Maverick, although I do think they're going to be a little bit more uh, generous, if you will, with the technicals. So I think they're going to spread out a little bit more. So you know what? I have on here All Quiet on the Western Front, but now you just merely saying that. I think it might be Top Gun Maverick. Um, so, th- you know, a lot of these that I'm reading off of right now are going to come out in the article this Tuesday. And a lot of them are going to get edited to death. <laughs> like, let's just be real here. Like, this is going to be an archaic pod in like an hour. Hayden. Um, I think I'm going to go with Top Gun Maverick for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't help for my All Quiet on the Western Front case that I watched mm-hmm. it on my TV at home where I watched mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick in the biggest IMAX screen True. in our area. Um, but I remember the sensation of just hearing that movie surrounding me in an IMAX theater and just the way that the jets fly by. Just It's a, a very impressive sound achievement. So I'm going to go with Top Gun Maverick. I am going Top Gun Maverick as well. Um, original song, applause, tell it like a woman, hold my hand, Top Gun Maverick, uh, lift me up, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, Natu Natu, RRR, and this is a life, everything, everywhere, all at once. Hayden, starting with you. I'm used to this category being like the black sheep of the award show and just like really <laughs> sucking. I'll be honest with you, a lot of the songs are really great this year. Um, yeah, I, I listen to This Is A Life often. I listen to Hold My Hand all the time. Uh, and not to not to, it's just remarkable. <laughs> I think the winner, um, despite the fact that I really love This Is A Life, I think the winner is not to not to. Yeah. It's just, you know, you watch that scene in the movie, it's just pure energy. And then you just hear the song and it just immediately you're drawn back in. This often goes to an unconventional pick. It often goes to uh, like also like an international pick sometimes. Um, uh, the Motorcycle Diaries won this for El Otro del Rio. Um, then uh, also, so, don't, come on. Also, it, it also spans all the way to 8 Mile and then also uh, Hustle and Flow, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp One. Lose yourself in the music, the it's, moment. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it's all there. So I think that like this is where Natu Natu is going to win it. I think this is a way to honor RRR, even though it should be, you know, in a lot more categories here because that movie was awesome but uh not to not to is being loved the and the fact that they're getting those two guys to sing the song which right yeah. away like we don't know those two actors that well but those are like insanely like popular actors so the fact that they're coming to sing the song is tremendous and i cannot wait to see thank god they're performing the songs this year because like performing not to not to is like that's going to be just a real hoot yeah Stephanie Sue's going to be there playing This Is a Life as well, which is oh, really exciting. Lovely. I think Mitski's on tour, so they were like, "All right, Stephanie Sue, you're doing it." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> all right, not to not to move us along, uh, but original score: All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans. I go Banshees on this one, uh, Sean. It's such a good score. I would love to see Banshees win this, but I think Babylon just has like that iconic one song that's shown at the very end of the movie. So I think that just sticks right in your head and it's just, re- it's a great score. Um, and this guy has, I believe one in the past for La La Land. 
Um, I believe it's the same dude, um, at least very well. It's the same Chazelle film. So I, I'm all aboard for Babylon. This was this I'm more certain about than production design, but uh, I, I think this one's going to be a score for Babylon. Yeah, I do too. Um, I think that Babylon has this one just because Justin Hurwitz. Shocker, is such a, Hayden. Shock. I know. <laughs> I'm coming here with the crazy opinions right now, the hot takes. <laughs> um, but Justin Hurwitz is just such a such a great composer, and I just think that it's gonna he's you know voodoo mama is one of those things where i'm just playing it in my car on my way to work just to start my day it's just pure energy it's really so good. yeah it's just a fantastic score and i think they're gonna try and give babylon some love where they can get it in and i think this is the most likely spot where they'll give it yeah. international feature film all quiet on the western front argentina 1985 close eo the quiet girl this is where i'm gonna put in my uh comment that i watched close this week and it absolutely destroyed uh every ounce of my being um, and it is a wonderful, lovely, I don't even know if I can say lovely. It's just a very good movie and it's very well done. But my pick is All Quiet on the Western Front here. Um, since it's nominated for Best Picture, I think this yep. is where it gets the love. Yeah, you got to be high to not pick All Quiet on the Western Front on this one. Um, and, you know, the one like the one real front runner before this was Decision to Leave. And the fact that that didn't get nominated was a huge, huge, like that just like, okay, cool. All Quiet on the Western Front now wins. Like that's I'm how so that worked. Like, it's just like that paved the way immediately. I'm so mad Decision to Leave so is bonkers. not here. I don't understand how that happened. It, it's so know. weird. They just it's so weird. so bad. Um, <laughs> but All Quiet on the Western Front was a great film. And like you said, because it's nominated for Best Picture, this is where it will yeah. get its award. Yeah. Documentary, All That Breeds, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, Navalny. This is a hard one, I think. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> this is, if, there are four possible winners that could work. What's the one that's out? Uh, the House Made of Splinters is yeah, the one I, I just don't know much about. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed has been a frontrunner this entire time. Um, All the Breeds has also like been a come-from-behind frontrunner, and that just recently got on HBO Max, which is more eyes have gone onto that. Fire of Love I is the one I think I'll pick. Because all of the other ones are covering really intense issues where it's like, oh, yeah, no, we're all going to die very soon and it's horrible. And Fire of Love, while it has a dramatic tale and a very tragic tale at the very end, it is the one where it's like, hey, instead of thinking about how the fact that we're all going to die, let's focus on the pretty mountains that spew lava and like, you know, just focus on the beautiful nature of it. It's very octopus teacher in that way where it's like a friendly visual style to look at. Um, and then the last one is Navalny, which could also win because, you know, like there's a, there's a fuck Putin kind of, uh, like vibe cooking and, uh, you know, I put any of those four really, any of those four could win. And I, I, I'm picking fire of love because I flipped a four-sided coin, but God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> Hayden, where are you at? Before I give my pick, I just want to tell you guys, did you hear that they're making a fire of love feature, like, mm -hmm. like adapting it into a, into a narrative film? Interesting. I think that's kind of silly. I, I think it is, but it is an idea of like a volcanic, uh, two volcanologists that were a couple. Yeah. That, that, if I didn't know it was a true story that was a documentary that was really good, that's still a brilliant premise. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I can jump on that. It's yeah. giving 1990s, uh, what's Dante's peak vibes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought of right away. Uh, Hayden, where are you at with documentary feature? Uh, my pick I think I'm going to give it to Navalny. That's yep. the one I enjoy the most. Just I absolutely riveting documentary filmmaking. Um, it, it's pretty much a thriller. Like, I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole movie. It's so tense. Uh, it's just remarkable that this is, like, not, a, like, a, a movie. You know, like, it, yeah. it plays out exactly like a real film would. And it, it's just a, it's real life. 
and it's just remarkable. So I think I'm going to go with Navalny, although All the Beauty and the Bloodshed mm. has a lot of buzz around it. I haven't watched that one yet, but I've heard so much praise for it, so I can't count it out. That's the issue, though, is that nobody has seen All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Like, I feel like that's one that, like, they keep on saying, oh, it'll be on HBO Max, like, in, like, five months. I'm like, is this a 2022 movie anymore? Like, I feel right. like it's not in theaters. It's nowhere around. And so, yeah, sure, they're holding Academy screenings, and it was at festivals and stuff, but... It's just strange that that's going to be like that's that is like having a lot of buzz, but it's nowhere here. Oh God, I'm. It's impossible to find. It's a good point. <laughs> I go all the ble- all the all the beauty, all the beauty and the bloodshed. That's a yeah. tongue twister for some reason, and it shouldn't be. Um, but Navalny was the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Um, absolutely had a blast. A blast. Jesus, I'm like miscategorizing all these movies. Um, but for the same reasons that Hayden uh, liked Navalny, I, it was just so enthralling. Sean, I vividly remember texting you after I watched it at Sundance last year, being like, That's Whoa. where I watched it. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, animated feature, Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast Turning Red. I want Marcel to win more than anything in this world. I think Pinocchio has it, in my opinion. Guillermo del Toro knows how to schmooze, man. That dude is so beloved by the Academy. Um, he got people to vote for Best Picture for fucking a fish beast. I mean, this like so. I, Pinocchio is the winner. It's you know also this this category has loved stop motion animated. So I it's it's going right to there. Um, I, the slightest upset could go to Puss in Boots: The Last Wish because so many people just freaking love that movie so much. The it's slightest the of an upset, right but I it's it's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. There's no way. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I, I do agree. I think Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio has, just has this in the bag. It's a remarkable film. It's so visually stunning. I watched it on, on a projector, but I was on a plane uh, with my dad, and I looked over. He was watching it on his phone. It still looks good on a phone. I would Just, <laughs> just a great film. Um, Marcel the Shell is one that I, I don't think it's going to win. But yeah. just, what a sweet story, and I, I would be happy to see it win kind of psyched that it got nominated because i know that like when the lego movie didn't get nominated it was probably and unfortunately because of the live action mix this has a lot more of the live action mix so when i saw that get nominated i was like okay thank god people didn't do that stupid live action mix thing because this is an animated movie when i when i hear the title of guillermo del toro's pinocchio i just feel compelled to just ciao papa Papa." (laughs) just immediately i just want to sing it Um, diane warren with the best original song getting in there just because her name is diane warren for applause when ciao papa was sitting right on the shelf baby come on they're they're gonna put diane warren's head on ice after she passes away so they can continue (laughs) to nominate her every year absolutely absolutely (laughs) i'm positive of it I was, um, we talked about this before on the pod, but the Sea Beast, I was really happy to see nominated because mm. I thought the Sea Beast was a really good movie and it caught me off guard when, um, because it was from Netflix animation. It was like, what? Uh, and they're doing a sequel to it, which excites me because I just, awesome. I don't know, I really enjoyed that. So it was nice to see that get some recognition. Um, as well as Turning Red, because I feel like Turning Red got forgotten about right away, mm. but it is a really solid uh, movie. Um, but you know, going to streaming, I think, uh, messed with it yeah, a little bit. That, that was I, really I do like think a it weird ruined thing. it for it. Yeah. I just rewatched Turning Red recently and it's a, it's a very lovely film. I, I feel yeah. like you're right. There's not enough people talking about it. Domi, she just did a great job with that one. So bow it's from bow. bow. So good. <laughs> but I remember watching bow and I was like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> it disturbed a lot of people when that came out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, adapted screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking. Um, I I think it goes to All Quiet on the Western Front. I think if there's an upset, it's Women Talking. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting that women talking has become the upset because that was the one where it's like you know what it's not winning anything else it's barely going to get nominated for best picture which was a huge surprise so like they're just going to give women talking the best adapted screenplay and be done with it um sarah polly has a lot of goodwill so i oh boy i have all quiet on the western front as well just it's tough to deny that one right now but it's really weird thinking that women talking won't be on there. So I have all quiet on the Western front, but I, I have a major possibility for an upset with women talking where I could change my mind very quickly. Yeah. With all quiet on the Western front, you know, that's a story that's been around for over like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So to tell it again and to tell it this riveting is, yeah. is a testament to how great this new version of it is, but I'm, I'm going to go with women talking. Yeah. That's a smart move. Yeah. I think like you said, Sarah Polly has a lot of goodwill. I think mm-hmm. everybody wants to see her have a moment and it's not going to win best picture. Mm-hmm. So, I just I, I see I see this one happening. Oh no, I'm nervous about that category for some. I don't know why it's, I'm nervous about Oscars. Well, it's weird because the best adapted screenplay was like, oh yeah, there's like no adapted screenplays that are like out there, and so it was just like, oh, it's just gonna go right to women talking, and then All Quiet on the Western Front just dominated the Baftas, and everyone's like, mm, maybe something else. <laughs> like, well, the the one that drives me insane in this category, well, two of them, Top Gun Maverick <laughs> drives me insane, and then Class Onion and Knives Out Mystery. I, I like the movies a lot. Adapted screenplay, I just don't believe that they it's, should be yeah. there. Yeah, especially Glass Onion. I'm just yeah. like, it's, it's, what? It's not even the characters. Just Benoit Blanc. Like yeah, it's not it's the same character. characters. Even though that rule is dumb, like we talked about in an earlier pod. <laughs> uh, oh man, we rant a lot in these podcasts. Oh no. <laughs> okay. um, original screenplay: Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness. I think this is everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so weird to say that because I had Banshees on there for the longest time. It's just so tough that Banshees just really didn't perform well at the bathroom. I'm nervous Banshees is going to get shut out completely. I have I have one on there for Banshees, but uh, yeah, like there's there's a really solid chance that it could get shut out completely. Um, and it like this is their closest chance, but I think everything is just just dominating. Also, everything is a weird movie, and weird movies get best original screenplay. They don't normally win best picture. But they do get best original screenplay. <laughs> some those are precedent that's going to get rocked here tonight. But Sean, the anxiety you have towards most of these categories is the anxiety I have towards this particular one because mm-hmm. I just like I can't pin it because, like you said, everything everywhere is kind of the easiest one to pin down here. But with it being so likely to win Best Picture, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to do the double up there. Um, I'm curious what you guys think. Like, is Tar going to get any love? Uh, well, I have it up for one. And I think we all know what that one's going to be. Right. Um, but also that's, that's one that like, this is slight chance, <laughs> like slight yeah, edge. Very slight. I, yeah. I think honestly, I want to go with Banshees of Inisherin here. Um, uh, yeah. I like it. I, like I, it. I love everything. It's my favorite movie of the year, but I just, the screenplay for Banshees of Inisherin is just remarkable. Uh, my parents hated that movie and our relationship has never been the same since they told me that. I'm just like, <laughs> So this is weird. A lot of people whose opinions I do trust, um, like friend of the pod, Matt, Joe, um, like did not like Banshees. And that kind of like threw me for a loop. I'm like, dude, you normally have great taste. What's happening? And so th- this is a movie that <laughs> you I normally did. have great taste. <laughs> I, that, I, I was that cruel to him. Yes. But like it, it's starting to sour on a lot of people, which is just so surprising because this movie was like, you know, when it came out, like everyone loved it. I love it. Um, so it's it's like that might be something that like cools the opinion of a little bit. I just I just think what it like honestly, the BAFTAs were the award show for Banshees. Yeah, like yeah. they were the award show for Banshees. And the fact that it didn't win there, I think a lot of its momentum cooled. Like really right then and there. I think my movie right. of the year. Yeah, I love I love Banshees. I love it. I've watched it three times already. And I don't rewatch things. And like you the really screenplay don't. for it too, just such a, a great a blend screenplay. of just like comedy and just such like pitch black 
uh, humor. It's it's <laughs> really great, and so that's why I'm gonna have to put this for original screenplay. It's just great writing. It's a good. Pick. Let me throw out, let me throw out there that uh, the movie Close is a distant cousin to Banshees of Inisherin. Oh hell yes! Oh, well, male friendship gonna... is at the center, right? Just yeah. throw, you, throw that out there. <laughs> um, actor in a supporting role. Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Barry Keoghan. I always say his name wrong. Keoghan. Keoghan. Um, for The Banshees of Inisherin And Kihoi Kwan for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I think it's Kihoi Kwan. Kihoi Kwan. Like this is, you know, this the, the one acting award that is not going to give me anxiety um, is Kihoi Kwan. Um, yes, sure, Barry Kogan won that BAFTA. I think that was his time to win that. Um, that's the only slight like edge you could give to him, but he Key, Key, uh, Key is winning everything else. So he's winning this. He's giving the greatest speeches of all time. It's going to be his night. I think Kiwi Kwan has run the most remarkable campaign I've seen yeah. in years mm-hmm. uh, for the Oscars. It's just it's such a moving story. Everybody loves him because they kind of grew up watching him. Um, and on top of that, it's, it is the best and my favorite performance in this mm-hmm. category. So I think this is the closest thing we have to a lock for the entire award show. He's just yes. going to win. Actress in a supporting role, Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow, The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere, and Stephanie Sue, uh, Everything Everywhere. I, I This is a weird one for me because mm-hmm. I love everyone in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Angela Bassett's going to take it. That's I just I feel that way. Who I think is most deserving out of this category is Hong Chao, in my, in my yeah. humble opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is a really tough one because Angela Bassett was winning a lot of precursors. And she so did the she, thing. She did the thing. She, she did um, the thing. There's not I, much more to say. So I think with that alone, I just unfortunately think, and it's so unfortunate this is the case, there's going to be way too many people turning their nose up to a Marvel movie. And that's gross. It's disgusting. You should be focusing on the performance more than the movie. But I think, unfortunately, there's just still too many snobs that uh, you know are in the are in the academy. Um, but however, Angela Bassett is beloved, so picking her makes sense. I think that when Jamie Lee Curtis won the uh, SAG award, that actually cleared a path for this is a weird one. Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon's been in second place for a while. I think Angela Bassett and um, Jamie Lee Curtis are the most beloved in this category. Um, are the ones that are truly like, you know, just like the actual people are beloved. And I think Carrie, Con- therefore, like they might do a weird vote splitting thing now. And I think Carrie Condon might get it. Now we talked about how is Banshee's not going to get honored for anything. This is the way to honor Banshee's, I think. And this one is wide open. So, you know, your your pick of Angela Bassett makes a lot of sense. Um, Carrie Condon makes a lot of sense. I think Jamie Lee Curtis got that sag and that's that's hers. That's it. I don't think she really poses a threat at the Oscars. But I, I just think Carrie Condon's going to get this one. It's a weird. This is a weird pick for me. But I also yeah. think that with the way that Jamie Lee Curtis is conducting herself this Oscar season, <laughs> which I personally love, it's great. like her whole rant last week about oh, yeah. uh, Ariana DeBose, and it's like I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people. Like whatever. <laughs> I, I love that, but I think that's going to turn off some of the Oscar voters. Hayden. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Lee is such a gem, but I do find myself constantly just kind of baffled by how she got in here for this it's, performance. It's a weird yeah. she is too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it's a bizarre performance and it's, you know, it's a smaller, smaller character, especially when compared to who she's running against in the same film, Stephanie Sue. Oh. Um, I think I'm going to go with Angela Bassett mm-hmm. because there's just a lot of goodwill. I think a lot of people just really want to see her win an award and there's some really, really moving uh, moments in, yes, it's a Marvel movie, but there is some really yeah. powerful stuff in that film in particular from her. So I think I'm going to go with her, although Carrie Condon and Stephanie Sue are both like 
neck and neck, and then you, you add Hong Chao in there. I just, I can't, I can't so pin this one down. Angela Bassett did the thing. The thing. I can't. I, can't. I just, I listen to those remixes on repeat, which is a problem for me. Um. Anyway, let's go to actor in a leading role, uh, because why, why not argue <laughs> about this? Um, actor in a leading role, Austin Butler, Elvis, Colin Farrell, The Banshees, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Mescal, uh, After Sun, uh, and Bill Nye Living. Um, I think this is, I think it's a three-way race, in my opinion, mm -hmm. between Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, and Brendan Fraser. I go Fraser here, but I think Butler is the upset. Yeah. I mean, Butler has been the one that, like, has been the front runner for a while. And uh, I do think that, you know, SAG is not a one-to-one -one prediction, but, you know, actors are voting on these performances. I just think people really 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 like elvis a lot and i think they really really like what austin butler did uh in elvis and so i i have austin butler down but i mean let me tell you brendan fraser is right there and i can absolutely see him holding an oscar his is a very oscar-like performance so is butler's i think like that three-way three-way race uh situation was true um, I think Farrell has unfortunately fallen out like most things with Banshees. Um, but like, you know, I, th I think it's mainly because a lot of people really just want him to win so desperately that he's been kept in this, uh, this talking. It's been a lot of wish casting. Um, I'm, I'm going Butler, but man, oh man, Frazier is right there. I, I do agree that I think Colin Farrell has kind of lost a lot of the steam that he had. Mm -hmm. I think for a long time he was looking a little bit like the front runner mm -hmm. and now he's kind of just like slid back behind a lot of the other names. I, I would love to see Colin Farrell win an award, but um, I, I think this is going to go to Brendan Fraser. He's, you know, like it's one of those comeback stories that just has moved the entire industry. A lot of people, like I, in the same case with Kiwi Kwan, a lot of people just kind of grew up watching him. Yeah. And they just like really like him um, and seeing everything he's he's been through and how he's come out the other side. It's just a, it's a very moving um, tale. And I think that he, he could easily have this award in the bag. A little anecdote. Paul Mescal has become like my favorite actor oh, working in the industry right now. Like just between normal people and after sun, I'm just obsessed. I know he stands no chance to win, but just even having him in the conversation is something that's really exciting. I think, I think it's going to go to Brendan Fraser. Um, but again, you can't count out Austin yeah. Butler because he, he became Elvis. What he did in yeah. that movie is, is pretty remarkable and you can't take it away from him. Even if you didn't like the movie. Yeah, even the people that I don't like, he... like Elvis still are on board with him. Like, yeah. they, they no nobody has questioned his performance at all. Yeah, he's I feel like I'm seeing no, I'm seeing no campaigning from him. That's actually true. And I guess he has it's gone silent on that front. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's at the award shows, of course, but like, yeah. aside from being noted for helping women up on the stage last week, there's nothing really more going on. Um, so that's why I think, I think Frazier just has this. I, yeah. I hope he has it in my opinion, but yeah, um, no, it, yeah. it's, it's like everything about it could point to Frazier. So this, this is like my, this is my coin flip one. Like I'm, I think I just, Butler just gets the edge. I think more also, and this is, I don't love this formula that I'm about to spout out, but it does sort of help Butler's case. You know, Elvis has a lot more nominations, including a best picture nomination. That right. doesn't mean anything for performances sometimes, but it does mean that like more people are seeing that there's more screenings for that. And th that is a, the slightest edge to Butler for that, for that alone. And for me with the whale too, I, I didn't think it was a perfect film. I actually had some issues with, it. I think I gave it a three and a half out of five. I liked it. Um, but Brendan Fraser is just mm. absolutely phenomenal. Just so remarkable. Um, yeah. I didn't ever expect to see a performance like that from him. And so I, yeah. I am kind of rooting for him to take this one. 
Actress in a leading role, Kate Blanchett, Tar, Anna de Armas, she, Anna Girl, you're great. <laughs> you're going to um, just do all these, aren't you? <laughs> Andrea Risebrow to Leslie, Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, Michelle Yeoh, everything, everywhere, all at once. This is the category yep. I have the upset in. Um, I have Michelle Yeoh taking it. Yep. And I, you know, this could be the momentum of everything, everywhere, all at once. Michelle Yeoh makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense. Then on the other side, it's really hard to imagine Blanchett losing this. It's just like, I, this has been known as the performance of the decade from her. This is the one way to honor Tar, which like a lot of people are going to want to do. I, I have Kate Blanchett, but this is one where I expect, like, I, I know it's really dumb. I kind of expect a tie. <laughs> like it's, it's been at like 49.51 for all of the online polls either way. So this I think is I just hated tar. <laughs> you did hate tar, but you, even you said like Blanchett rules in it. Like you were like, so even just like with Austin Butler and Elvis, the people that weren't a big fan of tar, are just like, holy shit. The only thing holding back Blanchett right now is probably that she already has two Oscars on her mantle. And yeah. so I think that that, that, that does, it weirdly hurts her. Didn't hurt McDormand though. Um, and also didn't really hurt uh, Daniel Day Lewis recently doing it. But yeah. I think that yo threatening so much could cause it to go to yo Everyone loves everything all, everyone all at once. This, I mean, I'm telling you, this is one where you flip a coin. I'm going Blanchett just for just for what I was saying before, but you know, I have absolutely no uh, idea if it could be. Uh, I feel so crazy about my opinions on Tar. Like, I think the longer I sit here with it, I'm just like, I don't think I liked it very much, and <laughs> I felt crazy. I was trying to justify it for like days. I was just like, I was scared to post my thoughts on that movie just because everyone was talking about how great it was, and. Usually when people talk about a movie like that, I, I usually love it. And <laughs> I didn't hate Tar. I just was like, Kate Blanchett is the best part of it. Her performance mm -hmm. is absolutely masterful. Um, but I, I think I, I want this to go to Michelle Yeoh. And I think yeah. it will go to Michelle Yeoh, especially with how she's been winning, how she's been campaigning. Um, she's a very beloved and respected actress. And I, I same with Kate Blanchett. But Michelle Yeoh has never won. And I think that mm -hmm. if she wins, it's a bigger moment. It'll mm -hmm. just it, It's a louder moment that people will walk away from the show feeling a little bit more, I don't know the words, but you, you guys know what yeah. I mean. Um, yeah. I, I do think that Kate Blanchett, you can't count her out at any point though. It's really neck and neck this entire category. I, I want to now just call upon, like I, I'm, even though I'm call like right now, so right now talking about like Blanchett <laughs> winning. Um, but you know, when, when they won the SAG for um, ensemble um, and I believe his name is James Hong. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, he got up there and he said, my first movie was with Humphrey Bogart. And I like, I was literally just cast as like a token Asian, if you will. And I mean that now he's where he is that speech that he gave. I was like, Oh man, everything everyone wants is going to win a lot of these performances. Got it locked. That being said, said, it's still really hard to imagine Blanchett not winning it. So I'm, I'm like, that's why I'm just looking at that one. But God, Michelle Yeoh could definitely be up there easily, easily. So I really, truly agree with you guys. I can't fight you at all. I think Anthony Hopkins is going to win. Um, directing, Martin McDonough, The Banshees, Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinart, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostlin for Triangle of Sadness. This is where I think Tar gets the love, and I think Todd oh, Field takes it. I don't whoa. know why I think this is my angle this year, but this is what I'm thinking. I think this is where we're going to just see that like boring domination of everything everywhere all at once with the Daniels. They won their DGA, which is actually a pretty solid one-to-one -one, um, usually for predictions. Um, and I just think it's so weird that like Spielberg was just like ready for this one, but it's not like, and I, I get it. Spielberg hasn't won in like 30 years. I understand that, 
but the dude's got two Oscars and a few for producing. He's not starving. He's doing fine. I get that he hasn't won one in a while, but it's just like, I don't think that that, that, that narrative was a weird one where it's like Spielberg hasn't won in a while. I'm like, he's got two directing Oscars. He's yeah. doing okay. And so I think that, I, I just think that this is Daniels all the way. Um, I think that this is that everything, everywhere, all at once dominance that we're going to see. Yeah, this one's a hard one for me because <clears throat> while you're saying all that stuff about Spielberg, I completely <clears throat> agree. And then simultaneously, I'm like, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. <laughs> um, and on top of that, it's the movie about his life. Yeah. And yeah. On top, it feels like it could just be like, I know he has more movies in the works. I know we're going to get more stuff from Steven Spielberg, but this really does just feel like a, a bit of like a send off to him mm -hmm. being a part of these award shows in a sense. I love I, the Fablemans. I, me too. One of my favorite movies of the year. Fantastic. It's so weird that my number four is Fablemans and the number five is Babylon. Just couldn't <laughs> be further apart. But, uh, Very different movies. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely love the Fablemans though. And I do think it's possible that, you know, there's not a lot of likelihood of Fableman's winning really a whole lot here. Mm -hmm. And I just think that this could be the one it gets, even though, you know, like you said, mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg, he's not starving for another award, but I could yeah. see them giving it to him regardless. He's also been like, you know, granted, I don't know how genuine this is, but he's been like praising all of the other people, like obviously praising Tom Cruise for saving cinema. He recently like said a whole bunch of shit about the Daniels and how amazing that movie is. So, you know, he he's he's being very humble. You know, who knows if that's just him trying to curry favor, but uh, that's my cynical side showing. Can I digress for a second? Go. When the fuck are we going to recognize that Tom Cruise is like the head of Scientology and very fucking problematic in this world? When Top Gun Maverick doesn't win Best Picture. Well, I mean, I, I think, it's just, yeah. Like, <laughs> I know that's like, it's so random to bring up, but it just always baffles me how much love this guy gets and how problematic he is. Yeah, I, mean, I think I that it, it shows up every couple of years where like all of a sudden we hate Tom Cruise again. Then he makes Top Gun Maverick and we love him. Then, you know, in a, in a few years. Mission Impossible. That's yeah, why he makes like, Mission Impossibles. And so, like, you know, yeah, because now what he does is he's just going to make these like, you know, very good, but very paint by number action flicks. And you know, they're they're lovely. I'm not shitting on them, but it's like he's not making anything with a lot of complex emotion because he's like, you know what? I'm going to cater to a wide, wide audience. So people don't really examine the emotion of me because like if they start to, they're not going to like what they see. <laughs> like, yeah. So I think that that's uh, what's going on with that. But yeah, like it is weird. Like when like, you know, he's praised a lot and stuff and then, you know, we have to, we always have to take a step back and be like, yeah, not great. <laughs> he, he is problematic. And then he jumps out of a plane and says, see you at the movies. And everyone. And then I just, it, you know? I swoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't consider oh, him a human. Power of Zeus. Like, <laughs> I think if you treat Tom Cruise like an alien, it becomes a little bit easier to. That's exactly what I do. I literally just treat him like not human. And I'm just like, okay, he's just literally this Hollywood goofball figure. Do not like the guy, but like what he's doing in movies, I like. That's where it comes down. Seth Rogen tells a little story in his book, Yearbook, about, uh, about them going to pitch a movie to Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise pretty much trying to manipulate them to join Scientology. It's a very oh, funny story. You can God. find it somewhere on the internet. Uh, hilarious. He's just like, he's just trying to talk about his movie. And Tom Cruise is like, if you get me, if you give me 15 minutes, I can, I can really sell you on this. And Seth Rogen's like, was this? 2007, I believe is when it was. <laughs> so it's a little while ago, but it's Still, a hilarious that's the story. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, what movie he, were they? He can't, <laughs> he, he can't leave it at being the head of Scientology. He wants everyone in Hollywood to join him. Mm. I, mm. Yeah. Anyway. Best picture. <laughs> all quiet on the Western segue. Front. <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water. The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. The Fablemans. Tar. Top Gun Maverick. Triangle of Sadness. And Women Talking. 
Uh, this stresses me out. I go every everything everywhere. I think it's a safe bet, um, but I think it's also the correct bet. For for a while, I you know said like you can't vote for the front runner. You can't vote for the film that has the most nominations because that's the one that eventually gets a bad taste, eventually gets backlash, and you eventually like people like you know just start to get sick of hearing about that movie all the time. That hasn't happened with everything ever all at once. The popularity has just grown and grown and grown. And we always like one of the narratives has been oh well the uh, the stuffy shirts of the Academy will hate it because there's a uh, butt plug fight and hot dog fingers, and that really we haven't seen that narrative happen. We haven't seen like, you know, like any of those anonymous ballots, which are stupid things. Ignore those articles when those come out. But uh, like those anonymous ballots come out where people are just like everything ever wall wants is terrible. It's goofy and silly. And it, that, like, that's something I thought was going to eventually catch up to the movie. It hasn't. People have just really loved this movie. And so while it is the front runner, it's winning all of the Guild Awards. I don't know if Producers Guild came out yet, but it won Directors Guild over Spielberg, which was a huge leap for it. Um, and then it's winning like other things like the production design guild, which what the actual hell it didn't get nominated for production design deserves to deserves to, but it didn't get nominated for production design. So other like people in other guilds are rooting for this. So, you know, the production designers that are in the Academy are also going to vote for this movie. So this is one that like has the wide appeal. Also, let's, let's face it. A24, they know how to campaign. They caused Moonlight to beat La La Land. That's impossible. That's crazy. That's yeah. still impossible. Like it's still not a possible thing that happened, and it still happened. So A twenty four had quite the year last year. Oh god. Oh, my, I, like there's so many. When I when I see them at events together, I like see Mascal and I see Fraser, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like those are two A twenty four films. They're just like owning everything. It's they, they had a great year. They dominated. I think there's like one of their movies in almost every single category here. Probably it's crazy. crazy Even in Best International, close is an A twenty four movie. Son um, of a bitch, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's like they're really in every Marcel the Shell in animated. Like they have they have one everywhere. So they've really got their fingers over this year's uh award show. Um I think my best picture is is everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Not only because it's my favorite movie of the year, I've just been rooting for it since I saw it, but I think the argument of like this movie can't win because it has hot dog fingers and butt plugs. I think when you give yourself over to this movie, the emotional beats of it are very much there. And I think that's what most people are finding with it is like, yes, it's silly. It's also very moving. And I think yeah. that's the experience that most people are having with it at this point. Um, it's, it's just become such a phenomenon. And it's, it's one of those things where I think everyone just kind of wants to see it win. It's a very rare um, best picture thing where everyone's kind of just rooting for it. I, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of people lobbying against it. Mm-mm. What do you guys think is like the, the the second one that could win this? That's the bitch of it. I actually now like thinking about that. I actually don't know. I mean, I I could say probably, which this is a weird one. Get ready. But after its performance at the BAFTAs, I think All Quiet on the Western Front has this weird possibility. Because let's face it, who's not going to root for or who's not going to vote for uh, everything everyone all at once? It's going to be a bunch of old white people, and they're probably going to vote for a war movie. And so I could see that doing something. I, th- that being said. No, it's going to everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm very, very uh, anxious about a lot of award categories. This one, I'm not. Like, I'm with you. I silenced you. everybody with that. <laughs> you, you, you kind of froze for a second, and I was like, Oh, oh that's what it was. Oh, sorry. I, I was like, Was he done? <laughs> I honestly, I, I, this is weird. I, I, I don't know. I feel like All Quiet on the Western Front, Tar, The Fablemans, and Elvis would be the four that I'm like, have it, they have a shot if it's not everything. That And yeah. for some reason, I group those together. So, like, is there any world where Top Gun Maverick wins Best Picture? I, I thought opinions? about that. And, you know, I, I will just... 
I don't want to explain this whole process because it's just so annoying to explain, but rank choice voting basically means like, you know, without explaining the whole process, if a lot of people have their film towards the top, that means that it's going to go well. So if that's why divisive films probably won't win because some people will have them at number one, some people will have them at number 10. And so like when they're at number 10, they're kind of scrubbed off. Um, so I see Top Gun Maverick being towards the top for a lot of people. Um, and so from that alone, that like quick narrative, I could see a world where that could win. Um, at this point though, I, everything everywhere, the, the voting just began and everything everywhere all at once, it just doesn't have the backlash that I thought it would have by now. And it's, I, I think that that's going to be it. I mean, and once again, I'll just go back to that uh, SAG speech. I think that at that point, it's like, this movie is, you know, it's great. It's heartwarming. It's goofy. It's funny. But also there's there's an importance to it where it's an all Asian cast mm-hmm. um, or close to an all Asian cast. I think that's that that's a very important part of this that, you know, th- th- those kind of movies do not win. And so I think that that right there really does solidify like there's there's an importance here that we can't listen to. And the Academy is just getting younger and younger and younger. And I think that that's where we're going to see this, where sometimes the Green Book will win because the old people will get there. But a lot of times a parasite or a um, a, a moonlight even would win. Mm-hmm. I told all my friends I'm buying champagne and we're only going to pop it if everything everywhere all at once wins. And <laughs> that's not to take away from any other films. It's just there's such a high excitement between uh, my co-host Wesley, between me, between all of our friends. It's just this thing where we're all really excited to gather around on March 12th and just root for that film and yeah. i can't wait i remember when that trailer came out i was like this looks stupid like you know that dr strange movie is gonna do it way better <laughs> and so <laughs> i i kind of like I'm, I'm just overjoyed i remember when i saw it I, I i didn't even see it like opening night i was like okay yeah, i'll see this in like a week and when i saw it i was just so overjoyed and that's that's been one that stuck in my craw for the longest time and i, I just love it oh man and the daniels too have just run the most mm. in amazing campaign. They know mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing. And like you said, it's A24 too. They, they have the influence there. But just the stories they've been telling and the way that they've just been kind of wooing everyone over and just drawing everyone in, I think is just a real testament to, to their film. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you there. Guys, this is going to be a really interesting Oscars, I think. Uh, I, I've obviously been having a negative tone because I don't know what's going to happen. This is very exciting. Like the it's fact that year. I'm not going to know until like, uh, I'm not going to know best actress until someone reads an envelope and says, mm, or, and then this says Michelle Williams, but um, <laughs> Michelle Williams. That would oh be God. the ultimate shock. I, <laughs> it's not happening. Or Andrea she Riseborough. <laughs> she should have ran in, in best supporting actress, Michelle Williams. I don't know I, what was going on there. What, like, what a dumb move. And I understand like her, like, I, I admire her um, want to like say like, I truly am a lead character in this. Like that's how she truly felt. So I admire that bad move. You were right on the line. No one would have called you out for category fraud. Like, and you would have just ran away with the award. Oh man. Yeah. I don't think she would have run away with that. I, I just think like it, cause everyone was saying before that it's like, it's Michelle Williams's time. Everybody was saying that. And like, I, I just think that, you know, when she went to the best actress, there were just like, it's like, oh yeah, you're going to take on Kate Blanchett and Tar. I think that that just like cooled everything. I think if the Fablemans performed better then it would have been Michelle mm-hmm. Williams's time. But I think that the Fablemans, I mean, it's, I love it. And like Hayden, as you said too, it's like one of your top, but it's, it, it, it didn't make a splash um, yeah, for a Spielberg true. movie. It's very interesting. 
I saw that movie opening night in a completely empty theater. I was alone. It was that's, a weird experience. Uh, definitely part of the Spielberg problem right there. Alone. Yeah, that's well, I remember like there was the uh, a lot of people said it when the Fablemans had like a commercial on Thanksgiving football and everyone's like, there's a Spielberg movie coming out. And it's like, it's out. <laughs> it's Go a Spielberg it. movie. Go see the Spielberg movie. It was weird that it's like Spielberg's name didn't draw enough. It's just strange. Yeah. Well, they really screwed up, I think, with the release date of that yeah. film. I think they, it just got, it got consumed by other movies that were out at the time. I don't. Um, let's get release. into rant. Yeah, let's do. Yeah. What's that? I just don't think holiday say? release dates are any good anymore. Like, I just yeah, think I that people are not going to the theater on the holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also think that the marketing for that movie just didn't do it any favors. That mm-hmm. the marketing's like the power of cinema, and that's just like movies not what the movie dreams. is. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> weird. <laughs> movies are dreams. Um, <laughs> Rants and raves. I'm going to start off um, with just a a rave of excitement, I should say. Um, last night, Scream 6 screened for a lot of people, and uh, it is getting really, really, really positive reactions. Yes. Um, there's some people that have said it's the best since the original, um, which I think it's dropped a lot. But um, uh, I'm seeing some people arguing to like say, no, 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 there's a reason why we're saying that. Um, they're saying from the opening scene to the very end uh, that it's bloody, it's gory, it's wild, it's chaotic, um, and it's it's awesome. So I'm extremely excited for this movie. I cannot wait to see it. Thank God. Thank God it's not getting like, even like, I would probably still like it even if it was getting some bad press, but thank God it's like, you know, getting some good press in the beginning. Like, oh. And they are running the wildest, <laughs> wildest are, promotion. For, it's the best marketing like, ever. Best marketing in, ever. <laughs> there's 85 million posters for it currently they're doing the whole thing did you see ghostface is popping up in cities like just randomly like ghostface on the corner and stuff that like could go surveillance bad. cameras right? <laughs> on all the cameras that are set up yeah well people called police on on him on a ghostface and one of them and they were like we've been assured that it's part of a promotional blah 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 um but then even like the, the crossovers like there was the one with reno 911 recently that was funny that was as unbelievable shit. like i just I, I, it's amazing and i said this last night to a buddy I don't think that um, Paramount would be spending as much as they are mm-hmm. to promote this film if they if they didn't think they had a hit, uh, yeah. which is exciting. Radio well, Silence, man, they, those guys just rule. Like they just they, they rock. Yeah, <laughs> I think with Scream Five too, they were like honoring Wes Craven. They were trying to keep this kind of they they didn't go too far. Nothing's too much of a reach in Scream Five, and I think now that they have another one that they're doing, I think they're going to have some bigger swings here, and that's very exciting yeah. for me. I'm so excited. So damn excited. I'm going to do a quick rave. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) That worked out. Look at us in tune. Um, I'm going to do a quick rave. We uh, didn't get a chance to all see this movie, so we're not covering it. Um, And I'm not going to do a rave about Creed 3, which is lovely, which is really good. I'm going to do a rave about Michael B. Jordan, who is not what I expected him to be. I I expected a paint-by-numbers director, movie star turned director. I thought it was just going to be a very conventional film. And he's making some choices that are amazing. The boxing matches are obviously filmed very well, but his directing when uh, him and Jonathan Majors are sitting on the other sides of a table, just having, having some food are very good. And they ask a lot of the actors and I'm like, Michael B. Jordan has a career as a director. Love him as an actor, love him as a movie star, but get this guy behind the camera a lot. Cause he's nice. really, he's really playing it well. And so That's there's exciting. definitely some storytelling issues I had with Creed three slightly did not ruin the movie at all. His direction though, I'm I'm loving it. Like, let's get this guy going. Yeah, that's extreme. I'm going to see it tonight. That's extremely yeah. exciting. I just watched all the Rocky and Creed movies for the very first time uh, in, oh, in wow. like five days. It's been the greatest experience of my life. I, Hearts on Fire is playing on loop in my brain right now. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
You have a rant that I uh, am already going to second just based on the uh, description here, Hayden. So hit us with it. My rant is about the lack of respect for movie theater etiquette in mm. my recent trips to the movies. Um, I've noticed it's gotten a lot worse. I don't know what's been the cause of it. I, I can guess that maybe since COVID, everybody was inside for a long time. Going back to the theaters, there's a little bit of a loss or a disconnect with, with the experience. But when I saw Black Panther, or not Black Panther, when I saw Ant-Man Quantumania, the group in front of me was just the the worst group I've ever had to be in a movie theater with. They were yelling. They were, you know, like smacking each other on the heads. It was just awful. And when we tried to respectfully ask them to silence, they just got very aggressive about things. And then I had a, I can't remember what movie it was, but a, another bad experience where just people were talking the whole movie, like Cocaine Bear, that's what it was. And okay, I'm fine with people <laughs> engaging with that movie and chatting a little bit, but another group behind me just chatting the whole movie. And so I guess my rant is just, when you go to the movie theater, there's kind of this un, unspoken respect. You, when the lights dim, your phone goes off, and you just you can laugh, you can engage, you can interact with the movie. But there's no need to be, you know, hanging out with your friends like you're at a like you're at a restaurant, right? And it's I don't know what's the cause of it, but it's just gotten a lot worse than some of my more recent um, experiences at the theater. And it's very frustrating as someone who loves the theatrical experience so much. And my friends are now at a point where they're like. I'd rather watch it at home because no one's going to ruin the movie for me. Yeah, and that yeah. drives me crazy because I want to go to the theaters with my friends and I want us to have this great experience. And that's just being taken away by this kind of disrespect towards the theatrical experience recently. And it's just, it drives me crazy. I had to go on a little rant about it. It's horrible. I had that experience. I, with, yeah. I'm trying to think what movie recently it was uh, that I saw that the, the people were just horrendous, like would not shut up. And um, we're having like full-blown conversations and it just... It, it takes away from the enjoyment of not only the the film but the experience itself. Mm -hmm. and yeah, Sean, I, I just second. I, I I second all of it. Nothing more I can really add except for you know absolutely when when people are like laughing at certain moments that aren't meant to be laughed at or like I, I think that sometimes it's just like you know the youth is not cut out for the theaters anymore. Get them yeah. out of there, youths. Turn your phone off. Just respect the movies, respect the movie theater, respect the people around you. People are spending a lot of money to come out and see these movies. If you don't want to see it or you're not that interested in it, don't come and let the people who, who really care about this stuff enjoy it the way that they want to enjoy it. Rant. Here, here. <laughs> here, here. Here, here. All right. Well, this week we have two wild new releases. Uh, three, actually. Scream 6 hits theaters. Champions hits theaters and The Magician's oh, Elephant hits Netflix uh, on Friday. That was a, I went back, I was going through my website, um, some of the old stories, like when we used to do more news on guyatthemovies.com. And I remember I like found a post announcing that Netflix was making a movie of The Magician's Elephant, uh, which is a popular kids book. And uh, here it is. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Hayden, once again, so happy to have you back. Let everyone know where they can find you and Wesley's work. You can find us on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast. You can find our individual Instagrams. I'm at Hayden Kutras, and Wesley's is at Wesley Giffen. It's the same names on our letterbox, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts at, at the Dive In Movie Cast. Thank you Excellent. for having me back. I, genuinely, it's disturbing that it's been a whole year, but I hope yep. we can make this happen a little bit more often. Definitely um, going forward. So yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. We love having you on uh, and we definitely do need to make it happen more often. We're excited to be, I think we can share, we'll be talking yes. with you next week on your pod. Um, so that will be fun. Um, between now and then though, so this is releasing on Monday, March uh, 6th. So I want people to know two things. One is that Story Arc Podcast Network has launched. Follow at Story Arc Pods. We have six great 
shows that we launched with and already uh, another batch that will be coming down the road, which is really exciting. Um, but definitely check out Story Arc Pods and check out the, uh, the shows that are linked there. And the other is that if you are a Scream fan and excited about Scream 6 coming out on Friday and need to get caught up, uh, we at the Guy at the Movies podcast are giving away a Blu-ray and a digital code for Scream 5, also known as Scream, which came out in 2022. Uh, so go over uh, to Guy at the Movies pod. Uh, it's G-A-T-M pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find all the information today, Monday, uh, about this uh, this giveaway. Um, so that's exciting. I will be rewatching all the screams this week, uh, especially Same. my favorite, Scream 3. <laughs> oh, that's a hot Don't, take, but I'm here yeah. for that. Don't get I'm him started. It. Don't I'm get him it. started. <laughs> I was battling on Twitter last night about it. Like, I'm all, I'm all in right now. Um, but absolutely love it. Guys, it's been a pleasure. We'll have to reconnect and see how we did with our predictions uh, once we settle on predictions. Uh, I think this, like, today we're saying one thing, but who knows what we're going to be saying a week from now. So. Tuesday's my final predictions, and I will not change them because they're yeah, officially okay. going to be published. No, they're they're going to be officially published, so I can't change them. So that's my, my final nail in the coffin, and yes. Guys, I've changed my mind. Andrea Riseborough is winning for two Leslie, yeah. best leading actors. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I hear, I, like, I'm going to be waiting for it. <laughs> uh eo is getting international um anyway guys talk to you soon uh always a blast and um let's go oscars the guy at the movies podcast is a joint venture between math teacher movies and guy at the movies you can catch new episodes weekly right here wherever you're listening to this one subscribe so you never miss a beat